you are my dog, you kept me close, love never lost I called you here, but you said fuck off, said your brother's a real pawn Something gonna happen, or something bad or soon Transcending flesh could be a breeze, sending me love to the moon Sympathetic intellect Choices I for one and all All we are at least that fall That's all Always been loving you Like the world.
Hello again. Hello, this is Hannah Smith with Friends, aka Roadside Shaman on Instagram. Here with another fireside chat. It is. Oh, I forget what day it is, but this is my eighth castor oil pack. Is that right? Yeah, because yesterday was seven. So this must be eight. Okay, well, if I have lost count or added an extra one, I'll just do 22 instead of 21. Deal? I think that sounds like a good trade. I, um... I woke up at four again. My body is not quite used to this new clock, I guess. Or I really do need to nail down my evening routine a little bit better. Um, maybe I need to, I need a nighttime ritual, an evening ritual, you know, golden milk, something, something that I will look forward to and seek to do as the conclusion of my evening. <sighs> Well, this is me today. I'm feeling a little bit deflated. I, you know, I, I know I'm doing the right thing. I have no doubts there. I just wish I had a little bit more <laughs> elegance or grace or order in the doingness of it. I don't know. It, it, it really is the matter of observing the phenomena and not judging, right? That's the idea, is to observe and not judge. Um, but if you're uncomfortable in your seat, you make an adjustment, you know, you move, you shift. Unless you're one of those really special yogis that I've heard tell of. They're, they're, okay, so like, all life is precious, right? This is a tenet of... <coughs> Uh, maybe Buddhism or yogic tradition, but it's, it's a tradition. It's, it's certainly true in indigenous thinking. Uh, it, it feels correct in a natural way that all life is precious. And if all life is precious, well, there's no qualifiers there. It's all life. But the way life works is we consume one another to live, to breathe, to move on, to, to continue. So like there are some people that take this directive to not disturb another's life, to preserve all life as being precious. You know, in other words, that idea that we don't, abridge another being's right to exist by taking up their territory or taking up their resources. So this includes the microbiome around us, all of the teeny tiny little bugs and critters and microbes that we even can't see. And so there are some yogis that don't bathe, don't cleanse, don't wash, don't move. They literally just sit in meditation as still as possible 
for as long as possible, just breathing and not moving, not consuming, just breathing and trying to not hurt, injure in any way, abridge or kill any of even the microscopic, you know, amoebic beings in their environment. Um, so yeah, I'm not quite there. <laughs> I move enough to make myself comfortable. I, you know, wipe the counter down and, you know, if there's ants on, on it, I try not to squish them on purpose, but I'll sweep them out of the way. And if they get washed away in the flood, you know, that's on them and their path. And, you know, maybe they should choose their route more carefully next time and not go indoors. But I, you know, the point is I don't go around like with cans of raid spraying them down. I don't smush spiders. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't intentionally kill wherever possible. I don't intentionally kill. I'm not vegan, by the way. I know that that's a weird co combination of belief systems to hold within one human vessel, but the factors are strange and I'm in communion with dairy. I'm, I'm in communion and in a deep spiritual ancestral relationship with the sacred cow. I, I have a, a bonding with that animal and its medicine that is deep in my bones. I won't say it's inextricable and I won't say that it's permanent. I won't say that I won't eventually um, shift into a vegan lifestyle. I've had periods of my life where I've lived, you know, consumed as a vegan, you know, avoided all animal products. Um, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've done that for medicinal reasons, for health reasons, um, uh, in combination with ideologically, it was sort of like a, both factors. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a vegan. I don't religiously or ideologically avoid animal consumption, um, because I just, I don't know why, I just don't, I can, maybe I, I should come up with a better reason than that, but the problem is, if I talk about it too much, it ends up triggering one of my many suites of um, uh, eating disorders that I have in my history, so food is complicated for me, and I try not to judge or be too critical, but I'm also trying to be honorable and respectful, and I try to follow cultural traditions, I try to follow my family roots, I try to eat in a way that makes sense, I try to eat with respect with what grows in my environment, and like all these factors, all these filters basically put up a giant net that makes it feel like sometimes there's no safe food for me, there's nothing for me to eat that I can put into my body and feel okay, like Perfect example, we went to um, a chain Italian restaurant on uh, Friday night, my nephew's birthday, one of my favorite humans on earth, and apparently this is his, this place that he likes, and I guess not very many other people in the family seem to find much to like about this place, unfortunately. 
you notice I didn't specifically name said establishment. Um, it's because I'm not interested in starting a fight or yucking anyone's yum, uh, especially on their birthday. I don't want to ever yuck anyone's yum, but I don't want to especially do it on their birthday. You know, you see somebody enjoying the heck out of a meal that looks just absolutely disgusting to you, just realize that they're feeding something within themselves that, you know, they they need. They're feeding or soothing something within themselves. They're in communion. To To consume something is the deepest form of communion other than maybe sexual interaction. So until you start, you know, getting weird with your food, <laughs> this is it. This is the most intimate fellowship we have as human beings. We take something in and we consume it and we turn it into us. And so my nephew Sam really likes this place. And so we were there for celebration. And I had gone there before, probably for his birthday previous or someone, somebody else's event or graduation. I don't know. It was some other celebratory thing. And it was the other time that I had eaten at that establishment. Um, and I just, in certain states, I can, I have more wiggle room with my diet, you know, depending on what else is going on in my life, what other things I've consumed previously, what other activities I have planned, the environment I'm in in the moment, like all those factors play very heavily into what I'm able to actually like stick in my mouth and digest, like ingest and then choose to digest. I can ingest anything in a given moment. It's just a matter of whether or not it sticks with me and sickens me and, you know, causes me distress. Um, uh, I mean, there are some foods that I, I avoid as if it were an allergy because they cause me so much um, gastric uh, distress. Like, um, not, not dissimilar to what people complain when they have lactose intolerance. I react that way to soy. You know, just the sort of like, like, oh God, was there soy in that? <laughs> you know, and I look at the label and I go, oh no, this is why I'm feeling rumbly and gross. So anyways, we're at this restaurant and I'm looking around and I'm going, what can I choose? What's for me here? what's available and the answer was nothing like I literally was just sitting there drinking lukewarm decaf coffee because that's all that was on the menu and they it's just it was such a weird big is a giant chain restaurant and they would bring me like this little teeny tiny cup like it looked like a thick walled diner cup kind like that you'd get at um like at IHOP or somewhere just a tiny little cup and she brings it to the table and it's like almost full, but not really. And it's not even hot. It's like barely warm. And so as soon as I add the cream to it, it's like straight up tepid. And I'm like, mm, this is delicious. Yay. At least it gives me something to hold and sip and like go through the motions of consumption while I'm around this awkward group of people. Cause like, it wasn't just my family that I, I love and know intimately. It's also the in-law side the other branch of the family that I only ever see at these awkward family gatherings and I hardly know anything about and they usually say something weird and offensive around me or to me or triggering or whatever anyways the point is 
they're all great people, but I have social anxiety and having them in a large group makes it really stressful for me. So, and the, the environment itself was so loud that like, I literally could not be in there without my earbuds in. I had my earbuds in nothing playing in them, but just to stifle the sound of being in that space. It was insanely loud. I like opened one out for a second just to talk to the waitress and my whole body just convulsed immediately with the shock of the noise like my dad looked at me weird because I like visibly shook it was very strange and like anyways I immediately put it back in as soon as I was done telling her no I'm good he's having the cheesy bread and I ordered for Truman and that was it because even there was nothing for Truman as it riddle me this Batman how the fuck excuse me how the holy fuck excuse me again how in the sweet holy fuck do you have an american italian restaurant and you don't have pizza on the fucking menu how do you have an italian restaurant that does not have pizza like how does that work who the heck goes there who eats at this place? How is it still in business? How are there chains of them? How are there multiplicities of them? How are there multiple, multiple, multiplicities of this establishment that has people waiting in line to come and consume and there's no pizza? It's like bad pasta and no, you can't have pizza as a substitute. <laughs> like, okay then, awesome. This sounds great. I'm totally going to be fine. So yeah, so we ordered him. They have this like appetizer. It's basically like garlic bread that they put extra cheese on. And you can add pepperoni or bacon if you want to make it look more like pizza. The first time we ate there, that's what we ordered for him. Because we thought the pizza would help him accept it. I mean, we thought the pepperoni would help Truman accept it as a pizza substitute. It sort of worked. He protested at first and said he didn't want anything. He wanted something different and he yelled for a minute. And then I'm like, really? It's just cheese and bread. I think you'll like it. And he eventually tried it. And so this time we just got him the, the cheesy bread. We didn't add the meat because I was like, what's the point? It's two extra dollars for bullshit nitrates that he doesn't need. So we just got him the, um, the cheesy bread. And at first he protested even that. And I was like, oh, Lord, please don't do this right now. Like, just eat it. Please just eat it. I don't want to make an awkward exit right now. Like, and eventually he looked at it and smelled it. And like, he was hungry enough at that point, I think, that he accepted it as a pizza substitute. So he had cheesy bread for dinner. I had decaf coffee and a lot of pressure from the humans around me begging me to eat something. And it's weird because I've had such a long practiced path with not consuming socially because when I was recovering from my surgery and trying to lose weight and I told people, oh, I can only have my broth packet or I can only have my water or my tea or I can only have you know, whatever it was that I was limited to at that time. Nobody advised pointed things out to me on the menu, offered me things, tried to convince me that this would be okay, gave me, you know, tried to shove bits of their plate over. Like, nobody ever did any of that shit when I was fat and trying to lose weight. Nobody furthermore did it 
when I was, you know, going through cancer treatment and avoiding a very restricted diet, doing juicing and shit. Nobody did that. But now that I'm thin and like making it of my own volition because like I just don't eat meat. Sorry, guys. I just don't eat, you know, tomatoes is the big one. I can't eat a lot of tomatoes. I can have a little bit like a little pico de gallo in a in a burrito I can make work a little bit of ketchup on some fries maybe not too much a little bit of um a slice of tomato on my burger that I have once every couple months you know what I mean like a small amount but large volumes of tomato which was one of my most favorite foods I just can't process anymore I can't digest them they're they're um it's part of the nightshade family and uh there's just something in them that is I'm finding hard to digest right now. So go to an Italian restaurant, try to order something that doesn't involve salad because I can't have the fiber, meat because I don't do the meat, bread or pasta, grain, anything. No, thank you. Like all that's left really is if I ordered a butter and cheese pasta, which nutritionally had no value for me would make me inflammatory. Like I was hungry at the time, but then the other part of my like weird food issue is like, I don't like wasting the money. Like I don't like buying expensive food. I feel it's disrespectful to people that don't have access to food to go and pay for a $9 bowl of soup or, or like a $15, uh, sandwich or something like I just it feels bizarre to me to sit down and order something just to go through the motions of it to make my family feel more comfortable you know and they say oh but I'm paying for it like I don't care it's the dollars it's not who's using the dollars it's the fact that like I'm going to order a sandwich that I might eat three bites of that will probably make me sick that will then end up rotting and going in the trash. So it's just a waste of resources all around. It's better if I just don't order it at all in the first place. And so that's what I did. I ordered the decaf coffee just to feel like I was participating and almost immediately regretted it because it was crappy coffee. I would have been better off with just room temp water or something, you know, to sip. But there's just there was nothing for me there there was nothing for me there and the humans around you if they're all eating they want you to eat that's you know we're social creatures I just I think social eating should be done for feast season it should be done for feasting time only you know for celebratory feasting but in celebratory feasting time feast foods mean there's something for everyone to feast on The way a feast works is everyone brings their favorite dish and you share it. And that way you always have your favorite thing to consume. And then you get to try a couple of other things. Well, I came to the feast, but I forgot to bring my own food. I didn't bring, you know, it's so weird. It's so strange because both my dad and me wanted to stop and get coffee on the way. And we thought we didn't have time. But, like, I think we both would have been happier at that restaurant if we'd walked in with a fucking cup from another establishment. Like, literally any other establishment. It was, uh... 
uh, it was it was rough. It, it was rough, but it's not the restaurant's fault and it's not the people's fault. It's just the accumulation of beliefs and patterns and ritual. And this is why I'm Hayoka. I'm there. I show up at the ritual to show you why we do the ritual and what we're doing wrong about the ritual. What we did right about that ritual, we honored my nephew on his day of his solar return. We honored him by letting him sit at the head of the table, by letting him choose his foods, by letting him indulge and have exactly what he wanted, what his heart was crying out for. And that's how we honored that ritual. We celebrated him in the choosing. We celebrated him in our abnegation of our own desires and needs. You know, that's what we did. That's how we celebrated him. And yeah, he still got spumoni at the end of the meal with a candle in it. Hooray. And Truman still got vanilla ice cream with chocolate sauce. Hooray. You know, like, it all works out in the end. It, it does. It all works out in the end. When I came home, I think, I think I ate hash browns or something. Probably. Knowing me. <laughs> Anyways, I assure you there was a point to that whole story when I started it. I don't know if I ever got to it at the end because that's how my stories go sometimes. The point is I'm trying here, guys. I'm trying to make some sense out of the senseless. I'm trying to bring some order from the chaos. I'm trying to bring ritual back into my routine. I'm trying to bring, I'm trying to use the personal power of ritual to bring import to my routine, significance to my routine. Because routine is a challenge for me. I love it. I thrive in it. I crave it. I desire it. But my brain subverts the efforts to stay in routine the the load of repetition is very heavy so anyways <sighs> yeah if you have an italian restaurant in america put pizza on your menu even if you call it flatbread put pizza on your menu So that kids have something to eat when you bring them that they're familiar with. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a huge restaurant. Giant staff. And like four items on the menu. I mean, yeah, it's all just like mix and match. You can customize it however you want. Your own like sauces and toppings or whatever. But the basic key ingredients are all the same. And almost all of them have tomatoes in them or meat. So if you can't eat meat or tomatoes, don't go to an Italian restaurant, I guess is the message. But it doesn't matter because I wasn't there for the food. That's the whole point, you guys. I wasn't there for the food. I was there for the fellowship. It's just hard to have fellowship in an environment like that when... It's so crowded and loud and just, 
when we got in the car, me, Truman, and then Dave actually gave us a ride home. So it was the three of us in his car. And we close the door and we get that like nice little quiet airlock seal of the moment before the engine starts, you know. And we all just took a breath. And I go, oh my God. And he goes, oh my God. <laughs> and Truman just like sighs from the back. Goes, Can we go home? <laughs> like, yeah, buddy, we're going home. <laughs> and I just look at Dave and I go, man, I feel like we deserve gold stars for getting through that dinner. I feel like we all like, he's like, yeah, all three of us like, yeah, here. And I tapped his third eye. Like I just touched his forehead. Here's your gold star. And he tapped my third eye and gave me a gold star. <laughs> Cause like, oh my gosh, restaurants, restaurants, restaurants. The funny thing about restaurants is <clears throat> I have to be in a really special or strange place to really even enjoy them anymore or seek them out like I have to be like either really wanting to be hungry or it has to be like a really quiet casual small place or it has to be like a person I'm really really eager to hang out with so I don't literally don't care what environment it's in I just am focused on the person you know like other than that I don't I don't like to go into restaurants very much anymore. They're just, they're just incredibly triggering environments for me. So, anywho, I'm doing the best I can with my routines and with my rules and boundaries and restrictions and quirks and foibles and limitations. I have so many of them by now stacked up that it almost feels like they all cancel each other out and basically I have no more food rules I just eat what I want to eat when I feel like it I mean okay example what did I eat yesterday large amounts of coffee obvi like that's a must that's a given um but my coffee is amended in a really specific and healing way in other words I bless the hell out of it by making sure it's the purest water possible, including verbally blessed with incantation. Okachokmasi means beautiful water. Miniwachoni means water is life. Okachokmasi means beautiful water. Miniwachoni means water is life. Okachokmasi means beautiful water. Miniwachoni means water is life. Okachokmasi means beautiful water. Miniwachoni means water is life. Okachokmasi. Miniwachoni. I bless the heck out of that water. It's organic coffee, always. It's um, dairy, like I said, because I got to have the dairy. Sometimes I'll experiment with non-dairy creamers, but what I find with those is they end up being too high in sugar and full of a bunch of fillers and stabler, stabilizers and gums and amendment thingies that don't really feed or soothe me. Right, so if you have some nice coconut milk or coconut cream laying around, I might throw that in my coffee, but usually I'm going for heavy cream or half and half, organic preferably. I'll take regular if you got it, because I need the fat, but I prefer organic wherever possible. Um, and then as far as sweetening, 
yeah, I need to. I don't mind it black as far as like, um, I don't mind it unsweetened. In fact, I don't, it's not that I like it sweeter. I don't like it particularly sweet, but the sweetener is my form of a liquid vitamin. I, I have to have a very small amount of mineral supplementation um, because of my bariatric surgery and my tendency towards anemia. And so, and I've experimented over the years with all kinds of supplements and vitamins in every form known to man. My cupboards have been filled and emptied multiple times over with everything from Jimbo's and Sprouts and Whole Foods and the chiropractor's catalog and standard process and everything else. I've done all the multi-level marketing uh, special products designed to save your life and make your, you know, body work better. I've tried them all. And what I found out is that my system is sensitive and it runs off of very minimal input. It's like, um, you know, the DeLorean and back to the future, the time machine made out of the eighties crap car. And then he like takes it into the future and upgrades it so that it's like got a fusion reactor that runs off banana peels and half empty beer cans. Like I figured out that that's basically my digestive system. It's like, you don't have to put much in there. Like it, it can convert energy out of a lot of interesting substances. So I don't have to run a whole lot through the system as long as I make sure the right trace minerals are in there. Like if you notice when Doc is choosing those items from the trash to feed the machine, he doesn't just grab random handfuls of garbage and throw it in there. He looks in the trash, he picks out a couple of really specific items, including looking and perusing the label, right? So he's very clearly looking for some trace minerals or elements, something chemical, like he's intuitively listening to what exactly he needed to throw in there to, to fuel his time machine, right? So that's what I'm doing. So in my coffee, my liquid vitamin is my little honey bear that I keep by the coffee pot. But the honey bear is a tri-blend of honey, yes, organic, raw, local, preferably, but honey is specific, good B12s, um, maple syrup, again, tree medicine thins the blood balances the plasma and brings in more more b vitamin b9 or b6 i don't know some of the b's are in there maybe it's more b12 who knows i need all the b's because i don't eat meat and i'm post bariatric so b vitamins b and then the other thing the reason why it's so dark and rich looking is because i add um blackstrap molasses okay unsulfured blackstrap molasses um, that gives me iron I mean that's that gives me the metals that I can't get other ways so in my coffee that I drink copious amounts of is that trifecta of sweeteners in a blend and it's my liquid vitamin it has these trace minerals and elements that I need for my system because I can't take a regular vitamin. I just puke it right up. It, it burns my stomach like I can't tell you. 
I've tried so many times to take vitamins, every kind of multivitamin. I even tried taking liquid multivitamins, like in other words, a liquid formulation of multivitamins. I've tried several of those. Nope. The problem is it's too many. It's too much of too many elements. So I've had success with singular supplementation. In other words, a specific amino acid or a specific trace mineral that I need more of, like calcium and magnesium paired together is good. Or um, I'll take L-lysine consistently, especially if I'm dealing with anything, um, if I'm doing any wound healing, if I have like a cold sore that comes up, if I have um, any kind of uh, viral assault, like if someone in the family gets sick, I, I boost my L-lysine because it boosts the cellular integrity of, of all my cell walls. Um, I'll take L-arginine if I feel like I've overdone from a muscular standpoint, if I've like worked too hard, like done too much physical activity, you know, overextended myself. Um, I'll t take some L-arginine. So a singular touches of, of elements and it's not a daily thing. It's not like I've got a stick of, uh, you know, like a, a pack of pills lined up on the counter and I take these ones in the morning and these ones in the evening. Like I don't do any of that stuff anymore. I used to do all that stuff, but when I went and transitioned and purged out of all of that reliance on pills and interventions and supplementation, and I started deleting, 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 and was left with like, okay, now what, what do I need to actually nourish? What do I actually need to actually feed, to fill, to balance? Like, what do I actually need? Turns out not a whole lot, not a whole heck of a lot. I do a lot of fasting. I do a lot of times of not eating much at all. I eat like little nibbly trail mix bits here and there. I eat, you know, uh, fruit here and there. Um, but Lately, what I eat a lot of is just a lot of fat, avocado, cheese, um, nuts and oils, um, fat upon fat. I mean, basically, I only eat bread as a support vessel for the large copious amounts of fat that I pile onto it. Um, if you don't believe me, go check out my Instagram stories and you'll see the obscenely thick slices of butter I put on my banana bread. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like quarter inch thick slabs of butter on tiny little squares of banana bread. Like this is what I'm talking about. Cause I need that level of fat to balance when the sugar comes into my system. I mean, if I eat something with sugar in it, my body just flushes like a, like a menopausal hot flash. Like I just, it's, I feel the fuel immediately and I feel the burn in my cells. And so if I don't do something with that energy, it's like, whew, it, my body gets creative. So, yeah. So yesterday I had that coffee. Then around maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, I had, wait, let me, let me do a full on like mental check and make sure did I have anything earlier in the day little snack of something okay so 
first, earlier in the day, at around 11, maybe, between 10 and 11, somewhere in there, I broke my fast with that aforementioned banana bread, right? And then three, four hours later, so again, around three o'clock, two, three o'clock, somewhere in there, I made my version of a grilled cheese sandwich, which is, and I mean, you guys can tell I've, I'm, I'm like half embarrassed to tell you this and half proud because my old me, my fat me, my food judgy me, my me that tells me potatoes are bad for me, me says, oh my God, you ate that. And also the me that says, don't eat dairy. That's evil. They're cow tears and desecration of the oppression of animal. You know, like I have that voice shouting at me too, you know, like, don't get me wrong. It's there right? But the me that's feeding my body and knows exactly what it needs and what is fueling it and what feeds it and what builds this body for wellness is making a grilled cheese. But my grilled cheese sandwich is made out of hash brown patties. So I take two hash brown patties out of my big stack of them in the freezer, put them in the pan with a little butter, uh, grill them on one side until they get nice and crispy golden brown and then I flip them over so they get crispy golden brown on the other side and once they're nice and toasty then I add in some nice organic white cheddar and let it melt and then I sandwich it together and I've got a lovely little grilled cheese and sometimes I put a tiny bit of ketchup on my plate just so that I have that um, sensory experience it like kind of takes me back into like a nostalgic state of childhood of like eating uh drive through fast food meals with my siblings, you know, and my mom taking us on some trip somewhere, commute busy one way or the other. And we have to like fight over a single order of French fries, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it just takes me back to that place of gratitude and, and really appreciation because I remember how much I was eager and appreciative and, and hungry for those, you know, fast food french fries and cheeseburgers that she would pick up for us like when we're in the car riding together in the station wagon like for me that grilled cheese hash brown combination it feeds every part of me it feeds my nostalgic self it feeds my biological self it feeds my gustatorial self it feeds my you know my animalistic like fat craving self, salt and fat craving self, because humans, we crave that salt and fat. So like it just, it, it, it fuels everything. So that, that was one meal, right? It sounds horribly decadent and ginormous, but it's a tiny little meal. It would fit in the palm of your hand because these hash brown patties are not huge. They're tiny little, you know, like the kind that you get from Burger King or or uh, or uh, who else does those? Uh, uh, I think Burger King does them. I, guys, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't go to fast food very much anymore. Like Jack in the Box has those like hash brown patties. They're like that. So I had that. And then guess what my dinner was, you guys? I had a mono meal. I had a traditional vegan mono meal. Only it wasn't vegan. It would have been vegan if I'd used coconut oil instead of butter. But we talked about dairy. I did a vegetarian mono meal, deeply craving again. I had been craving peas for 
a week or more. I'd been craving like just green peas. Like I wanted to put them in stuff. I wanted to like have a side of them. And I just hadn't because normally the way I eat is, you know, one item nibbled here and there or like what have you. So, uh, I had just had this craving. So like, I just was like, I'm home. I'm by myself. I don't have to cook for anybody else. If I want peas, why can't I just have peas? So I'm like, I'm going to have peas for dinner. So I totally just heated up a, a sack of frozen peas in, again, an obscene amount of butter. I made a nice brown butter uh, sauce with butter, pink Himalayan salt, fresh cracked black pepper, dried dill. Because, again, I'd been craving dill for some reason. There's an herb that's an... I, I got to look up in my herbalist book to find out what the... Um, medicinal impacts of that are, but dill, um, dill and caraway have been talking to me lately, like quite a bit, very chatty. And so I put dill and I put some fresh mint cause I love mint and peas together. They're very lovely. So this was my dinner last night, literally an entire sack of frozen peas cooked in about half a stick of butter with salt and pepper and dill and mint throw it in a bowl eat it and I ate the whole freaking thing can you believe that I was a little bit worried about the fiber because that's a lot of fiber in that many peas in that many green peas because the skins can be kind of thick but I don't know man the heart wants what the heart wants and I was craving those peas and I like housed them like a cheeseburger I was going to town with them I really really wanted those peas and like it was healing it was somatic it was transmutation because I can still remember I can still remember the first time peas felt dangerous to me I can remember when peas felt like they were a bad food when they were like not safe for me to eat like I can't even eat peas are you kidding me like I went to um I went to a, I don't know what the name of this type of doctor, I guess a naturopath is the best label for what they were. Um, but they did a lot of like, uh, infusion work. They did IV therapy. And so, um, they were, a, a, a naturalistic naturopathic, uh, intensive care facility. Basically they went after hard cases with that weaponry. So it would be like going to like the Mayo Clinic or like, I don't know, Sloan Kettering, but for woo-woo, for woo-woo doctors, for like holistic, uh, non-allopathic medicine. You know, muscle testing and the whole nine. Well, after my consult with him, and hearing this like intense discussion on how cancer, cancer uh, proliferates in the body. And oh, plus he gave me like a freaking, like, a, it's, I won't call it a booklet. It was like a, a guidebook, a dietary guidebook that he sent me home with 
that I was like basically reading in the car on the way. And so like this was pretty far away. I was up in Santa Barbara. So it's like a good four or five hour drive with traffic. I had I had my child with me, my nursing child. I think my child was still nursing at that time. I don't think I had been had I started I don't think I had started chemo yet. So I don't think I'd started weaning him. I, I'd have to look at the archive to be sure. I'm not sure. The point is, I had my baby with me. And my dad, you know, ever the Leo, ever the director, ever the one in charge, ever the one whose preference is most extreme, got his way as far as where we stopped for dinner. We stopped at a fucking hometown buffet, if you can believe that, right? So, like, now I'm not just left with what do I choose on the menu to make me be okay and not be sick. And I've just been downloaded with this, like, life-changing information about the nutritional impacts of cancer, right? And I've been told that any sugar at all, any carbohydrate at all, and any protein at all is just building blocks for cancer. Like, don't do it. And so I just like in my mind, every like grape I ate or every pea I ate or every sip of whatever was just feeding my cancer. It wasn't feeding my body. It was just feeding the tumors. And so I know that wasn't an accurate picture, but that was the picture I held in my mind at the time. And so I'm going down the line of this hometown buffet and I'm rejecting all my traditional nope foods that would look gross if you have it on your plate they'll judge you if you walk away from the buffet with that on your plate don't put 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 that on your plate I'm just walking down the line just saying don't put that on your plate to everything right and at that point the only thing that I had put on my plate was peas right and I had put them on there kind of begrudgingly because it was really the only like unadulterated vegetable that I could find, right? And the only thing I could hear was he said, yes, green vegetables are fine. Just try to stay away from stuff like peas and carrots because they're so high in sugar and starch. People love to eat a lot of peas and carrots, but those aren't really the best vegetables for you, right? So me and my black and white thinking and my extremity, I just immediately went, so peas are bad for me too? I can't have peas? One of my most favorite vegetables? Like, oops. Right? So I peas have always been somewhat demonized. They're, they're elevated and demonized. They were the only green vegetable at the school salad bar. Right? So I'd eat the heck out of them then. But I'd get chastised for wanting them as a vegetable at night. They'd say, that doesn't count. What else do you want for your vegetable? Yeah, that's not really a vegetable. That's more like a starch, right? I, none of these rules made any sense to me. It's like the abundance of the standard American diet and the, the prevalence of, of food that we have that's disconnected from our production, you know, what we locally produce or what we produce in season or what, what we grew up producing or what we know how to produce or 
or what our ancestors produced or what our what our relatives currently produce or what our neighbors produce. It's like we, we as Americans, we don't have connections to any of that stuff. It's all been deleted. Like if you're my age or younger, you're lucky if your parents even cooked at home at all, at all. I realize how fortunate I am to even know how to cook at my age because most people my age don't even bother trying to learn, you know, following the instructions on the box, following the instructions on the package. That's about as far as they get to, to learning how to cook. And so we have a broken, fractured relationship to food and it affects everything because you are what you eat. And so if you eat what's broken, how can you help but build a broken body? I don't know. But I know I've been talking for a freaking long ass time and probably should be done now. I don't even know how long I've been talking. Almost an hour. Jeez Louise. 49 minutes. Seven upon seven. Plenty to be getting on with. Yeah. So that was the first time peas became a bad food. In line at the hometown buffet on an empty plate. Feeling like there was nothing left to eat in the world that was safe that could fuel my body. But I had to. I had to find something. So every day I kind of battle that feeling. That war between gluttony and asceticism. Because I'm an atypical anorexic in recovery. I'm a morbidly obese person deflated I'm a vertical sleeve gastrectomy survivor whatever that means I'm an orthorexic I'm not an orthorexic I have held orthorexic behavior patternings in the past but i I'm working through it and I don't really, I'm in recovery with my food issues, but I just want you all to understand that it's constantly present and the scaffolding around myself to support my eating is necessary. I mean, you guys, if you listen to Open Lines Radio and you've been listening to Saraya the Great, they talked a bit about their um, health scare, health journey, and I don't know the specific details but it I know it had to do with basic self-care and nurturing and feeding and eating enough and resting enough um, and so for me that resonates deeply because when I got into a very productive manic elevated workflow state and I neglected my eating and neglected my self-care I lost weight so quickly and got down so low it terrified everyone around me I mean, myself chiefly, it scared me because with a tiny tummy like mine, it's hard to pack on weight once you lose it. Like I can lose pounds, no problem, very easy. But getting them back on after the fact 
is it, it takes conscious intention at this point. It takes willful effort and, and intentional focus, especially if I want them to be healthy pounds of muscle and not inflamed pounds of fluid and fat. I can put on inflamed pounds of fluid and fat in like two days, no problem. But if I want healthy pounds of muscle tissue and bone and connective tissue and fascia and healthy plasma, then that takes conscious will and effort and intentional focus and mindfulness and prayer and love and rest. <sighs> so, yeah, me doing the castor oil pack helps me keep everything else in order and maybe if I do this all 21 or 22 times because I've lost and losing count um, I should make little hash marks on my nightstand or something on the back of my wall on the underside of my shelf where I'm laying one, two, three, four, five I could do that <laughs> that would be funny uh, maybe if I finish all 22 of them, I will um, get a sense of my food rhythms. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing normal or advisable about what I ate yesterday for anyone else because that's the whole fucking point. You cannot follow a diet. You can't, you know, eat what everyone else eats. Like if we ate in an indigenous way, in other words, we all shared what we caught, gathered, foraged, found, fought for. If we all consume that together in balance, we would naturally get what we needed. You know what I mean? We would eat 10 grapes if we wanted 10 and 20 if we wanted 20. We would, you know, sit down for a bowl of soup that was always cooking when we were hungry because it was always ready. We would, you know, eat so many berries while we were picking them that we wouldn't need to eat any once we brought them back to the village and we'd just stand and watch in joy while everyone else got their faces and fingers covered in dye. Because we were full already. But this isn't how Americans are programmed to consume. We're programmed to consume more, much, most, best, always, often. Yes, that's what, that's what we're programmed to consume. More better, best, always, just more, and, and, and more of what's better or best than what's around you, like, get more, get better, get more and get better, get more and get better, that's how Americans are programmed, we're not programmed to accept what is, to be grateful for what's in front of us, 
we're, we're not. We're not programmed for that. We're programmed for individual striving and competition. Well, all those little white-coated, capped factory workers that were furiously tumbling through wrappers and didn't get a bite of chocolate from it, except for maybe what they picked out from underneath their fingernails at the end of the day, right? None of them got to go to the factory. Not even the one that found the golden ticket. The one that really found the golden ticket, she didn't even go, she didn't even get to go to the factory. She did not get to go to, to meet Willy Wonka. It was ripped out of her hand in 30 seconds. Her, her winnings, her efforts, her labors were ripped from her hands by her supervisor the moment she plucked that gem. And that's our structure. That's what we're programmed with. That's capitalism. That's the water we're all swimming in. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. They want you to keep healthy and strong and working just long enough to produce more dollars for them. National sick out. Nobody show up to work. Everybody sit down. Grind it to a halt. Make it stop. What would they do? You know what they did in Finland? They changed their whole entire infrastructure. All the women walked out of the work. Every woman quit her job and house for a day. It was a national walkout. And they changed everything after that. They have more women in government leadership. And they have more rules for uh, equal pay and maternity care than any uh, westernized country out there. I think it was Finland. It might have been Iceland. I always get those two mixed up. I'm bad at geography. I better go look up the article and like send. Maybe I'll send you the link. Put it on my stories. The point is... Learning to live with less, learning how to live with less, learning how to consume less. That's what we're all called for. And that looks different for everyone because everyone's needs are different. My needs are really specific. Your needs are really specific. And I'm not telling you to have my needs at all. I'm telling you to look. I'm not telling you. It's not me. This is something. Something that's telling you. We are all needing to hear right now that we all collectively need to look at what we each, quote, need versus what we each want or are habituated to desire or are conditioned to crave or are programmed to pursue. Okay? I know that that wasn't me because that was alliterative as fuck. So that must have been from spirit because... I'm just not that crafty. 
At least not on the first pass. It would have taken me a couple goes to get that kind of alliteration. Jeez Louise. Wow. It's seven. It's time to be done. It was time to be done before, but it's really <laughs> exactly one hour. Definitely time. All right, guys. Look. I don't know what this was. Sunday. Got up at four. Reared. Bizarre flow. Talked about way too much. And I don't know if any of it applies to anyone else except me. I guess we'll find out. Leave a chat on SoundCloud. I leave chats on SoundCloud sometimes. Leave a chat on uh, Mixler if you listen live. I know m many, many slash most of you don't listen live, but if you do, drop a little chat. Let me know what you're thinking about our little, our little uh, archive that we're building, our conversation we're having. And please join it. There's been a real cry for more voices. Mark and Holly want to add your voice to the conversation. Whether you have one thing to say, you know, like some little comment, opinion, story you want to tell, wrinkle in the ether, or you want to show up for your whole own new program that, you know, you want to make be your thing. Um, reach out. We would love to add your voice to the conversation. We would love to add your voice to the conversation. We would love to lean in and listen to what you have to say. So if you do, I'll say, Chiholi means I love you. Because I do love you. I love all of you, each and every stinking one of you. Chiholi, 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 Chiholi. And I'll say chakma, chapisalacho means hello. I will see you as the Chickasaw have no word for goodbye. I drive a beetle car, a caravan, the color blue. Reminds me of your eyes and all the places we've been to We're tethered to the leather, searching for a better view It's interstellar when it's me and you We're taking off We're taking off This is what I live for, baby, on my open road You can take me anywhere the wind blows Take